Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. My team won't be able to get that. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, you could probably hear from my voice. I'm a little bit more excited today than usual. We are having a uh, do-over for this guest. He came on, he was one of my first ever interviews on the Small Business Surgeon. And we've had two years of life and business and everything else go under the bridge since then. So please welcome back to the show, the president wait shit what are you you the president the vice what god damn it now vice use, president the vice president shit that's all right <laughs> vp vp you know it's it's a title yeah. at the end of the day man it's my name is drewby wilson i'm excited to be here thank you sam uh dude drewby picking, the up, the slack. picking up the slack yeah, wait, hey man we're experts you know what hey man when uh, when one one guy needs a little help we step in and help each other because it's family of choice right so i'm drew hey, wilson i'm the vp over at break free academy and the apex entourage community um i'm excited to be here with the small business surgeon like you said man i was one of your first guests early yeah, on dude and- i remember when you started the podcast i remember mm-hmm. you starting this whole journey and to see what you've built in the last 24 months or so man absolutely fantastic you do the work you follow the program you like you know go to the meetups you like that's that's all i did i just did i follow the instructions man but you've done a lot since we last talked dude you've like because as much as you've watched me grow like i've watched you grow like i've seen the the insurance agent the the drooby that wore the slacks and drooby from state farm or whatever the hell it was man i've (laughs) I've seen that grow into the the confident meme lord that's now a best-selling author and and has his own trademark and all that other stuff which which i don't think you i don't think you'd written the book and i certainly don't think you'd trademark crush the day or any of that kind of stuff last time we talked so dude what that's crazy to think about like isn't it it has I, been I watched, that long Holy and i watched smokes. you do it all dude i watched you do it all and goes damn you know i need to trademark small business surgeon like there's a lot i need to do you know but like you've done it and you've blazed a trail all from like just following the instructions so man i know a lot of people listening are going to know this and going to know your story but let's 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 run through it super quick uh tell the guys who you are and not what you do now, but what you did prior to picking up the uh, the call from Ryan Stuman and coming down and starting to work at Break Free Academy. What's your background? Yeah, man. No, that's fantastic. So again, thank you for having me. My background, I grew up, um, I was, as a teenager, I was a drug dealer. Uh, you know, when I graduated high school and I kind of got into being an adult, I didn't want to go to prison. So I kind of tried to get my life together. I went. And I got a job working in a pharmacy and then I got out of that because it was third shift and I was overweight and I didn't like who I was becoming. But it was and closely so in- it was closely tied to dealing drugs. You see? Well, yeah, see, you know, same kind of <laughs> Some deal. Integration right? different, there, you different, know? Uh, the pharmaceutical, <laughs> I always considered myself a commodities relocation specialist, right? Because oh, I, like I used that. to yeah. sell drugs mm-hmm. uh, and I would kind of just sell whatever I could get my hands on. So commodities, right? And right, it just right. so happens I was in a delivery business and so for long story short, I was an excellent marketer early on in life and didn't know it. Did Let's you just find start it, with that? Why is it, man? Like you know, because I I never sold uh, I never sold drugs when I was a kid, but I sold stuff like sweets, candy, chocolate bars, sodas. Like I just sold stuff to other kids. What is it about kids and entrepreneurship? What kind of gene is it that we have that made you go out and say, you know what, I'm not content with playing video games. I'm gonna go hustle and make some cash. What do you think it is that drives guys like us? Uh, I, well, it's the need to survive. First of all, most of us had, you know, uh, upbringing that, you know, it was what it was. We're not, we're, we're grateful for it because it taught us the lessons, but I think a lot of us learned how to survive, but like, Hey man, I learned how to make money selling on video games too. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, we were having like the, the bots play Diablo all day long and we'd come home and take up whatever it found for us and we'd sell that shit on ebay and we'd use that for beer and pizza and weed on the weekend like dude, man you, we've been in the hustle forever that's the made, craziest thing did you made me forget you made me remember something i forgot we used to take video games on cassette and pirate them cassette to cassette on my dad's fucking home stereo like you remember cassettes you could play, play with, when i was a kid video games loaded on a cassette on an audio cassette we used to i used to sell them at freaking elementary school for like 50p like, i'd forgotten about that exactly so that's the kind of stuff we grew up in right but yeah as i got into adulthood 
Um, I had a normal kind of like my first big kid job. I hit that ceiling of like $12 an hour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is not it, right? I work third shift. I'm unhealthy. I'm unhappy. Yeah. Uh, so I decided, hey, I'm going to go and, you know, go back to college and I'm going to get a job. And so I ended up going and enrolling in school and trying to get myself set up to, um, I was a bouncer and then I was going to school and I was bouncing at night and I was like, this is kind of cool, you know, cause I'm hanging out with people at the yeah, bar at night yeah. and I'm in college and this is kind of the lifestyle. And the, the, the and all that stuff. I was yeah, like, bounces, you yeah. know, all the things that mm-hmm. go along with that lifestyle. But then <clears throat> I, again, realized there's not a lot of success in that long term. No, sir. And I was working at the cigar shop during the day. I dropped out of college because I realized it was wasting my time and money mm-hmm. and energy. And I went and I was like, I'm going to just go and hustle. Right? How, long, like, how, long did you, hustle. how long did you last in college, dude? Six weeks. Duh! Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Just, I made it the same. Like I was literally six weeks. Just long enough for 20-some thousand dollars in like student loans to be 100% owed back to the government. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, dude, my, we figure it out. My loans, my student loans were like two grand, but the, the exact same thing happened. Man. I stayed in college literally six weeks. I'm like, this just is not for me. <laughs> no, yeah. So I, I dropped out. I was, um, you know, working at the cigar shop during the day, bouncing at night. And then eventually I got connected to my girlfriend, now wife. Mm-hmm. And we were dating. And so we kind of were doing our thing. I got let go from the cigar shop. Right. No so it was can. like two weeks before Christmas. The boss comes in. I hadn't even been bouncing for a while. Like now, I kind of gotten out of bouncing and was just selling cigars. You were integral there though, weren't you? You were like a real, real part. I was the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I was running the show, doing all the back end, all the cash, everything on there. And so I knew all the numbers. And, you know, basically he told me, Hey, you know, I appreciate all the hard work you've done, but my tax people and my financial people say that you're just not running it right. The margins aren't there. You're spending too much, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, okay, okay man, that's a decision <laughs> like that. You got to do what you got to do. I came to find out sometime later, like the tax man got involved and there mm-hmm. was some things and some questions, but like, apparently when you order a lot of tobacco, but don't pay tobacco taxes, they get there's some questions. I don't know. I, again, I don't know all the details other than when I look back at it, I know it was a blessing because I got let go right before, you know, it all went down like yeah. two months later. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I got a, a call from one of the customers at the shops like, Hey man, I know you got let go. I know you didn't do anything wrong. You always had, you know, great demeanor. We run this furniture store. Would you be interested in coming in? We've got some time for tax season where we mm-hmm. need extra hands. Cool. Go talk to the manager of the store. He's like 25. I'm like 25. You know, he's a guy and he's like, hey, man, we, this is my family store. This is what we need. We can hire you for tax season. I'll pay you straight commission of X percent of whatever you sell. And if worst case scenario, you don't sell anything, I'll give you, you know, 250 bucks a week mm-hmm. to, to work. And I was like, man, all right, cool. Like, I'll take it. I knew I would sell something. Right. And right. so I went, I, <laughs> it's like, cool, showed up Monday morning, started selling furniture. And within that six to eight weeks, I was there selling furniture um my in-law came to me and said hey i'm opening up this insurance agency we can't open for a couple of months but just be ready this is what's going on so i was like all right well it's cool it works out perfect because yeah. i've got this tax job perfect so while i'm selling furniture i end up doing like 150 or 160 thousand dollars worth of furniture sales and i didn't know anything about furniture right right i was just like hey what can i help you with what are you trying to find let me get you the best deal i can and we'll get mm-hmm. it set up and so it was just a little bit less than the people who had been there for years and years and years. So mm-hmm. I came in and was like one of the top salespeople and didn't know shit about anything. Right. Right. Got out of that, went to insurance, same kind of deal. Youngest guy in the marketplace in our agency, we were winning all the awards doing really well. And so, you know, I was always learning, always focusing on, for me, my job has always been sales, mm-hmm. sales, 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 sales. What I've learned a lot about sales is, Hey, it's really can you serve your client? Can you help understand what problem they're facing? And can you solve that problem with confidence? Amen. Not like, can you maybe fix it? Like, I think we can figure that out. But like, no, I 100% am your guy. This is what I do. I'm an expert at it. I will help you get this done. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's all you really need in sales uh... to understand people and to really want to help them Mm -hmm. and be able to help them. Right. Or if you can't help them, the benefit of 
entrepreneurship, we always say you need three things in entrepreneurship, right? You're a small business surgeon. Let's break it down and keep it simple. Yeah. You need to know sales because mm -hmm. you need to know how to sell stuff. You need to know marketing because you need to know how to find more people to sell it to. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then you need to know networking because mm -hmm. if you can't help them solve their problem, you need to know oh, somebody who can. Dude, the so value you can of hand that. Them over. The value of that alone. I want everybody to rewind just a couple of seconds and listen to what Drewby said again. The value of that network. If you cannot fix somebody's problem, it's more valuable than anything to be known as the guy that can connect you with the guy that can fix the problem. That's, that's so valuable. There's so much value in that. So thank you for dropping network on it, dude. Yeah, for sure. You know, being a problem solver is ultimately what we do as entrepreneurs and mm -hmm. small business owners, right? We solve problems for people. Well, to touch but, on to touch on that, ahead. like this, I I can't remember where I got this from or how I came up with it. Um, like, because you know everything we do is just an amalgamation of all the shit we've read. Um, but the way I view it is like. First, you serve the client, then you solve the problem, then you sell the solution. Like, that's it. The three things. You, you go it. in yeah. with, a, with a mind of service and that says, I can solve your problem, and then you sell the solution. And then that's just, dude, like, it's, it's life-changing when you break it down to those just simple steps. How can I serve this client and make them have a positive ending to our interaction? Like, and if you go well, into it into with that mindset... To kind of keep rolling into that rabbit hole and you think about it the bigger the problem you solve the more they're willing to pay you for yes 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 and i dude like you know i didn't get it and then i look at my kids and they're doing like rubik's cubes and they're making up escape rooms and like they're doing like all these complex puzzles and really my passion is solving puzzles i just love doing puzzles i love the, the intricacies and the, the in-depth and the, the solving of the problems, which makes me a natural, like, have a natural proclivity towards selling stuff to people because I like working on the problem, you know? I think it, for me, the, I've been in sales just kind of out of necessity my whole life, but it's mm -hmm. something that it's funny because growing up, I always had, like, I hated salespeople. Mm -hmm. I, and it, it's what I've realized is there's kinds of there's types yes. of salespeople, right? Yes. There's types of business owners, there's types of investors, mm -hmm. there's always mm -hmm. different stereotypes, however you want to look at it. But yeah, to me, when I'm in sales, I really want to ask a lot of questions. And I want to just get a lot of answers so that I can make an informed decision. I already know when I'm walking in, I'm probably going to buy. Yeah. Like I do all my research. I'm mm -hmm. I'm a buyer when I walk in. It's the person's job to not fumble the bag when I start <laughs> asking questions. Right? Because Let's... like I'm in sales and I try not to judge, but man, it's so hard not to because some people have this like just straight hard clothes, want to get the deal done. Mm -hmm. If you don't do it today, you're not getting it. It's mm -hmm. like and okay. I don't need it. Oh, like yeah. I like, I want to be like, hey, listen, man, let, let me help you out here. I'm going to show you a few pointers, okay? Right. That's what I want to do because, like, no, you said it yourself. Nobody likes to be sold, but we love to buy. We love to have the experience. And so most people now going into a furniture store or going into a clothing store or going into a car dealership, they know what they're going there for. Like, I'm not going to go to a car dealership unless I'm ready to buy. Like, I right. want to be – I want to buy, you know? And so – like, I think that process gets overlooked a lot. It does. And I think it's fun to be in a high level of what we do now, right? Consulting and working with mm -hmm. people to help understand these things at a deeper level, just based on experience, right? right. I was looking at it the other day. I've done somewhere, it was around 5,000 transactions with Break Free Academy in the last few years. And some right. of those are automated monthly recurring payments mm -hmm. and whatever, but I mean, all of that comes back to me having so many conversations and understanding so many different situations and scenarios to yeah. realize that, hey, we are all very unique. Every one of us has our own story. Every one of us has our own specific struggles and issues, but <laughs> a lot of us deal with the same kind the of shit. Same issues. And yes. so what's cool is I, I think Ryan said this, but he says um, uh, principles methods may vary but principle oh fuck what's the quote i, um, I know exactly. methods are many principles are few methods yes. uh always change but principles never do mm -hmm. right so like there's certain things in the basics the yep. foundation of what creates success that when you just go back to that and you start like helping people peel through the layers of 
I'm in my vi- my business so deep and so hard that I have tunnel vision and I literally haven't stepped out long enough to take a breath and get a clear view of what's going on. That's where the uh, benefit of working with mentors and experts really comes into play because oh, yeah. we get so dialed in on what we do that we forget what's in it for the client. Mm-hmm. Like we already know like what's going to be great for us, the benefits, the features, all the things that are amazing about what we do and why we do it. But we forget that the clients don't care about that. Mm-hmm. The clients have one thing that they're like, hey, man, if I don't walk out of here with this new trailer so that I can take my wife and kids camping, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get lucky for the next like six years. So like, what do we got to do to make this happen? Right. Like, right. Or, or like, how am I going to make sure that I'm not getting screwed over on this deal? Mm-hmm. And how am I going to ask the right questions so that we can make this transaction go down? Right. Which is funny because that's really what we were doing for date day this morning. My wife and I shopping for Trevor Shaler. So, mm-hmm. but like same thing, if people don't understand what they're doing or how they're solving the problem for the client, because they haven't taken that time to step back and look at the basics of what they truly do and how they truly help people in a while, mm-hmm. that can be eye opening for a lot of business owners. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, man. I love how you just naturally appear to just pour out and pour into other people, man. Um, I, I think that's a really good uh, asset you've got there. Um, I wanted to move the conversation to get a little bit more personal. <laughs> and I see a lot of entrepreneurs that struggle with weight, myself included. I've been a fatty fat. I've been an obese kid. Mm-hmm. And, and inside of me, there's a little stoner that likes to eat ice cream and get high and sit on the couch. And I, I have to defeat that guy every day when, when I get out and go. And I know you've had some some weight-related uh, success. What's it like to, to go through a process of transformation and, and, and losing weight and becoming somebody that bikes 100 miles just because he can? How do you, like, how do you begin to go through that? And more importantly, how how can we help other entrepreneurs that say i don't have time or oh it's stressful or or like because like for me i made time i cook all my own food you know about once a Mm -hmm. month about once a month the fat kid wins fair enough whatever but i cook all my own food and you've been on that journey too and you've you've lost a lot of weight and you're in great shape but it, it wasn't always the case was it it wasn't. Um, I grew up, I was always the husky kid. I was just telling someone the other day that when I was in middle school, I had to wear like a size 32 men's jean, but like I was short and fat. So it was like, I had a real <laughs> wide pant, but I always yeah. had to like roll them up or have mm-hmm. them custom hemmed because it was like a 24 inseam or whatever the fuck right. it was, something small, <laughs> you know? And so I was always that kid. And then as I got older, Again, like I said, I got into working at the third shift job and I would eat like shit and mm-hmm. I would drink caffeine and sodas and all kinds of garbage. And but I, it's like I a label. Up. You said it's like a label. I'm the husky kid. I can kind of hide behind that, can't I? Yeah, I mean, I always knew I was fat, dude. Like <laughs> I always knew like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're kind of fat. Uh, yeah. But I was also kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't I didn't have a reason or a purpose to go and do more or to be more. Right. right. And so... I, hold I on think, to that guys reason and purpose just we'll get back to that sorry keep going but that, yes, those no, are critical I, reason words, and purpose yeah. is huge but i think this is where i i really i talk about this in one of my speeches right when i talk about crushing the day because that's mm-hmm. one of the taglines that i have my book is called crushing the day <clears throat> i t- uh trademark the tagline crush the day before it crushes you mm-hmm. because to me it all comes back to that personal development and your willingness to do what you need to do to keep being the best version of yourself amen and dude. with I, that I send crush the day texts like, and then I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I got to send Drew a royalty now. <laughs> like I'm like, crush, I'm going to need crush it, one cent per uh-huh. text, which is cool. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Imagine if you could do that. Hold on, I'm going to save that. Hold on. I'm not even going to talk that out loud. That might be something <laughs> for the future. Now, listen, I'm going to give it away. Somebody do something with this. Imagine if like when you sent a text, if you use someone's trademark phrase, they got a penny or like a royalty from that. Like, hey, man, every time you send this text, I get paid. I mean, right? that'd be great. Anyway, somebody so, build that. Somebody go build it. Somebody, and and if you do get it done, like, just give me a shout out. That's all yeah. I ask, because you'll be yeah. rich as fuck. <laughs> anyway, so here's where I really think about when it looks at, you know, thinking about your personal health, mm-hmm. underweight, overweight, you know, sickly, different, you know, illnesses that people battle and deal with that are somewhat fixable. 
mm-hmm. right? Because I understand certain people have things that like, it's just they're genetic. There's nothing they can do about it. But the truth is there are things they can do to live a better quality of life. Yes, absolutely. And so there's a couple of things I want to talk about. The first thing I want to ask is, hey, do you know what your time is really worth? Mm, no. Because Nobody a lot does, of people dude. don't. They don't. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. So this is the formula that I give people to think about in their life because a lot of us say that, you know, we 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 know how much we're worth or we know what our value is. But the truth is if you took whatever you made last year, mm-hmm. your total income, and you divided it by 2000, that's what your hourly per rate is if you work a typical 40 hour per week job. Right. And I know entrepreneurs are the only people that will quit a 40 hour a week job to work 80 hours a week for themselves. But I'm just saying, yeah, like if we want to look at it and break it down to, hey, like I work 40 hours a week and I take a two week paid vacation every year. You work about 2000 hours. Yeah. So if you made 100 grand last year, Mm -hmm. then your time is worth about $50. About $50. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you knew you only had 24 hours left to live. Would you still sell me that hour for fifty dollars? No, sir. <laughs> you sure as shit wouldn't. Exactly. That and hour the becomes priceless. People that are priceless. listening are like, "Oh hell no!" I've the hundred, two hundred, a hundred twenty-five dollars an hour, whatever that number is. Like mm-hmm. you start realizing, man, my time is worth so much more than that. Yes. But Nobody makes that it. connection. They don't make the connection in that. Like your hourly rate, it's not an hourly rate for your work. You are selling your life for that much money. Like and and when they start to make that connection, then they value their life more than money. Then the amount of money they charge for their time ends up going up. Like whether that's through it's... through learning or through through more degrees or whether opening a business. Once they realize they're selling their life, then it gets. That's when the game starts to get serious. I think. Well, time is your most valuable asset, right? Mm-hmm. You can't buy more of it. You can't win it in a poker tournament. Mm-hmm. Nobody got a big box of it for Christmas morning or on their birthday. It's like, congratulations, here's an extra year on the end of your life. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Nobody knows. Nobody knows how much time they're given. It could be 10 years. It could be 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But people treat their time as though it's valid. Like, they, oh, I'll get to that later. I'll get yeah. to that later, right? Mm-hmm. So, The other question I want to ask people who are in that situation where, you know, they're having an honest conversation with themselves right now saying, hey, you know what? I'm not in the best shape. I know there's some things that I've been saying I want to do. I want to lose weight. I want to, you know, get my health in order. I want to start eating better just so Mm -hmm. I have more energy. This question was asked of me and it really kind of broke my heart and made me think about things in a different manner. Mm -hmm. We've all worked our absolute butts off to be where we are in life right now. Correct. Yes. And a lot of us have families or relationships that matter to us, right? My wife gets on me because I say family a lot. And she's like, well, not everybody likes their family. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. Let's just call it relationships, right? Yeah, if you yeah. have relationships in your life, people that care and matter to you, yeah. how would you feel if you had to sit in heaven and watch down while someone else got to live life with your family or your friends using your money, I always say like, how would you feel if someone got to sleep in bed with your wife, with your money and your house and raise your kid because you didn't take the extra time to take care of yourself? Mm-hmm. Dude, that's How's a, that going to feel? That's a shocking reality. Like that happens. Like entrepreneurs will just drop over from a heart attack, you know, and then that's right. uh, like, yeah, who's paying the bills? Like it's, it's, it's and one- sometimes people aren't prepared, right? Like to me, I know I've got a shitload of life insurance. Mm-hmm. So like I'm worth more dead than alive right now, but a lot of people don't even have that. Dude, I am. I am so too. imagine now someone <laughs> else is trying to raise their family like mm-hmm. with nothing. It's funny, dude. I now just, you got to watch that. I just interviewed uh, Drew Harrigan before you jumped on here, and he's he's in literally a life insurance planning like planning yep. planning all that shit. And like so many people don't pay attention to it, but like as an entrepreneur, especially, you're not gonna have work backed insurance like you have to take care of that shit you have to understand mm-hmm. it you have to have it in place man um mission critical because again like you said like what happens on the day that you're not there you're sitting up in heaven going well damn i wasn't expecting that you know and uh, it becomes a soul my friend <laughs> it well and you know it's not that i'm here to scare people i'm just here to remind people there's two things in life that are guaranteed death and taxes mm-hmm 
right? Like, and we try you to can't avoid, avoid both the tax as, man forever. You're, avo- you're avoiding both as long as possible. You. As long as you're possible. avoiding both as possible, mm-hmm. right? And and even still with taxes, it's like, man, I'll pay my fair share. Well, yeah, but like, I also understand how to pay my fair share. That is an important part of a civilized society. I, I that is correct. I don't like paying taxes, but I agree with the principle and, and all that stuff. You know, but like, let's talk about dying for a minute and like avoiding death and avoiding taxes. How do you avoid death? You eat right. You exercise. You take care. It, you're either gonna have hard work to do now to get fit, or you're gonna have hard work in the future when being unfit asks you to pay the price of being unfit, and then it's hard then. So, like, it was a monumental shift in my mindset because you know I've I've been the husky kid and I I fought with weight my entire life. It was a monumental shift in my mindset to say, look, either do the hard work now and stay healthy. Or do the hard work in future and be sick while you're doing it. And so can I, I just can I just be honest with you, man? Like, go for it. There's two yeah. things I really think about, and I, I hope the listener hears me with their whole heart because, like, this is the the Lord's honest truth. A, when you look good, you feel good. Oh yes, and you do mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. so, like, when you don't have that confidence in yourself because you know you're not doing all the things mm-hmm. you should be doing to be mm-hmm. the person you should be, it affects you. Mm-hmm. And it affects your pocketbook directly. Like it will affect the amount of money you make because a people look at people differently. Yes. When you're out of shape or you're unhealthy, people look at you and they judge you and you don't want to think that, but look, we all it's do the it. truth though. It's, I mean, it's, it's just straight honesty, you know? And the like, other side of it is like, if you aren't being honest with yourself, the funny thing is like, you're going to be in pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my knees hurt and my mm-hmm. back hurts. And mm-hmm. listen, I work out every single morning. I used to be mm-hmm. 300 pounds. I dropped down to 205. Then I met my wife. We got comfortable. I started mm-hmm. eating. We went out to drink. We She got pregnant. I went to 285. You grew that sympathy ba- belly, didn't you? I <laughs> put that bad boy right back on. I love it. And so yeah. now I've worked myself back down to where I'm at about 205, but I'm literally in the best shape of my life. Am yeah. I sore every day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I have issues? Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I feel a lot better about that soreness because it's a reminder that I've done the hard work. And when I get up and I do the hard work first every day, guess what happens when I'm in my business and somebody calls and they're bitching and complaining about something that's 100% outside of my control, or it's something that I may have screwed up and I have to admit to like, yep, I definitely dropped the ball on that. Sorry, sir. Let me get that fixed for you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because I've already done the hardest thing in my life, yes. which is to get my fat ass up out of bed mm-hmm. and go and work out for an hour. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Dude. Uh, I would. I got up at 4.45 yesterday, and it was slinging down rain. And right as I got up, I'm like, oh, man, we have to go work out in the rain. And right as I was, like, getting to the crux of going to work out in the rain, it started lightning everywhere. And I'm like, you know what? It's it's 5 o'clock in the morning. It's pissing down rain. And it's lightning. I think I think I get a pass today. So uh, I've got to go. Do, I've got to go. Uh, I've got to go extra hard today. Got some work to do. Got some work <laughs> to do, baby. It's hard. It's, it's you, you know, like you look at that. And you're like, man, do I really want to go fucking running at five o'clock in the morning? But what it does and the trade off that I get, like I'm awake, I'm energized, I'm out the shower. I've got like by 730, like I'm ready to tm crush the day like i'm ready i've had my start i'm wound up i'm ready to freaking go and i've already like you said i've already done the hardship i've got that run that walk whatever it is that's the hardest bit like getting out of bed and getting starting and fired up and when you look good you feel good and when you feel good you perform so much better and so like I'm still the fat kid. I still. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, like, man, I get it. I lock the margaritas, baby. I dude, love I, that shit. I lock in. I tell you how I do it, and I forget who it was that taught me this trick. But I lock in on the feeling that I get when I finish. I'm like, man, this is gonna be so good. It's so you know when you get done with a workout, you're like, like that. When I'm in bed and not wanting to move, not wanting to go out, I lock in on that feeling. What's it going to feel like when you've finished? How good's it going to feel? And then, like, I'll go do sprints at the end and then lay on the ground. <laughs> like, wheezing. Yeah. But it feels <laughs> like it, it. without that. And then so some mornings I don't do it. And without that, I notice, like, a measurable difference in my day and in my energy levels, especially. It's weird. You'd think, like, you go exercise in the morning, you think you want to nap in the afternoon. But I want to nap in the afternoons on the days that I don't exercise. 
Man, I want a nap every afternoon. Well, I that, ain't even going to lie to that, you. That's because of the tacos and the margaritas, mate. <laughs> like, that's also true. The that side is of, also true. The side effect of margaritas are afternoon naps and unwanted pregnancies. They're called siestas. That's it, sir. Yeah, They're yeah. called siestas. Thank you. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. All right. So, um, dude, what else can we lay on these guys, man? Because I don't, I don't really, I don't really have a structured interview for you because you're such a fucking legend. Um, why don't you talk me through the process of writing a book and what that felt like and how it affected your life after you published the book? Ooh. All right. So, um, yeah, writing a book was a very it was an interesting process just because when I wrote my book, the whole process was to lay out where I've come from, what's my backstory, what makes me an authority in my industry, why am I someone that should be respected or appreciated, or why in the world should anyone really give a shit about what I have to say? That's, um, how did you, how do you get past that? Because that's a really, like, you just touched on, like, probably the primary reason most people don't want to write a book. Who the fuck am I? Why would people listen to what I have to say? Dude, how, how'd you work through that? So uh, it's imposter syndrome is really mm -hmm. what that is, right? Yeah. And it's the simple way to look past imposter syndrome. If you have questions, I've written blogs, talked about it a bunch of times, but it's basically it's integrity. Mm -hmm. If you have imposter syndrome, you also have integrity because you never want to stand up in front of a person or a room of people and give them advice that would point them in the right direction because you're not a malicious person and you have no intention of ever putting anyone in harm's way. Right. And so I just look at that as the same thing. If I'm starting to feel imposter syndrome, it's because it's like, hey, man, you just you know that you want to go up there and do the best that you can do. And that as long as you deliver the confident information that you have, the things that you're an expert on, then you have nothing to be worried about. Right. Right. But a lot of people are trying to BS. It. A lot of people are trying to be someone they're not. Mm -hmm. They're trying to fake it till they make it. Right. So they're talking about things they don't understand. They're acting in ways that they've never actually done or talking yeah. about yeah. things they've never actually done just through theory, but not through practice. And so for me, when I wrote the book, I sat there and said, okay, man, well, let's look at things mm -hmm. right now in 2020 when it launched. Yep. And like 2019 leading up to the launch of that book, where was I at in my life? Well, I was at the literal apex. Mm -hmm. I had walked away from a sales job to go all in on being an entrepreneur and being my like an intrapreneur, essentially. Yeah. Contractor, yeah. highly paid. And I went all in on myself and I had a lot of success with it. And I had done a lot of things that had brought other people success, right? It wasn't just me doing this work, but there was people in this community who were watching me and telling me, hey, man that training that you did, the the story that you put out there, that thing that you talked about, that you were being vulnerable on, it really helped me through a hard time in my life or it helped yeah. me in my business because, dude, your sales and follow-up process is awesome. I could mm -hmm. learn a thing or two about that. And it is, stuff by the way. that I had developed. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I appreciate that. I've, I'm pretty proud of it. I've developed it over a decade plus of selling more than $15 million in sales in the last decade, a lot of it, the last, you know, 10 million plus mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. I would go on record and, so, and say that like my success in selling has come from reading a lot of what you put down, like and following well, what you, you and, and the apex guys do. Yeah. So, so thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. No, it's and, like, that it's, was the point of writing the book though. Yeah. Right. Because mm -hmm. I had done some things in my life that helped bring me success. And I recognize that in my situation, there were other people who could learn from what I had experienced. And if I was continuing to tell those same stories over and over and over, there was an easier way, right? Mm -hmm. Because our whole thing is let's work smart, not hard, right, right? But let's work hard too, because we know they'll double down on the results. Yeah. If you work so hard said, well, and smart. <laughs> yeah. Exponential, baby, you mm -hmm. get three times the results. But like, if you write it all in the book and you tell those stories and you're able to extricate what happened during those events that made you who you are today yes well now you've got something that instead of somebody having to sit here through a two-hour dissertation about your life it's like hey man when you get some time take a look at my book give it a read through it'll help you understand who i am why i am the way i am and what i bring to your time because again, whenever we're building a relationship we're asking someone for their most valuable asset mm -hmm. we want their time and that time could be for a skill that they have, right? That we need them to do a service for us or perform a skill. Mm -hmm. Or it could just be like, hey, man, I just 
really think this person's fun to be around and they make me laugh and I get like this little tickle in my tummy when I hang out with them. So like, <laughs> I want to do that more often, right? right Whatever right. that relationship looks like, you're asking them for their most valuable asset. Correct. So you just got to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. So would you say that like putting together a book and a trademark is, is like the ultimate business card? It's the ultimate level of validation. A hundred percent. I think it's a great business card. I can't tell you how many times I've been walking through the airport or I've been sitting on a plane or out and about at like a business, right? Dropping off my vehicle for an oil change. And I get to chatting with somebody mm -hmm. and they're like, what are the things that we typically ask in every business networking event oh, what transaction? Do you, what ever, do you do? Who are you? Yeah. What do you do? Where are you from? What's right? your book like, called? <laughs> in our circle, it's like, yeah, hey, do you like, have a book yet? Can everybody's ready. Let me, book. Order yeah. book. Let me yeah. save you some time. Let me order your book, right? But that's the craziest thing is like when I look at three years ago, I wrote that book now, mm -hmm. Sam. Three yeah. years ago. Yeah. And if I think about all the things that have happened in that last three years, I mean, it's exponential growth. Mm -hmm. But it all comes back to me being willing to share that story and people reading it and going, well, damn, this dude's definitely got a pretty wild story. Yeah. And I, he's got no reason to lie. And everything that I see in the book and everything that I see him posting online and when I've met him in person at these events that I've gone to, it's all very congruent. And he is who he says he is. And it's very easy to see that. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he is fucking phenomenal at sales. And he's also <laughs> done these things like lose weight and built a family that he's proud of and spends time with and is dedicated to. That's a guy that I think could actually help me figure out where I'm fucking up in life because maybe my life ain't what I want it to be. And so let me just at least reach out and have a conversation and see if he can give me some guidance. Dude, you touched on a word there, congruent. And I think a lot of people miss how important congruency is between an online image, which we all have to cultivate because that's where the yep. majority of our networking takes place, and an offline image. And there's nothing that will kill a relationship quicker that you've taken the time to cultivate when one half of the relationship isn't what they genuinely represent on the internet. It's it's very, very important to actually be who you say you are when you show up. You gotta speak on that for a minute. You know where I can really liken that to, man? Think about famous television stars or movie star or not movie star, but like musicians, right? Mm -hmm. You hear about the ones that's like, hey man, I met that person out at the at the like the mall nicest person on the yeah. planet took time yeah. to give me pictures and yeah. this and that and whatever and then you hear about the people that are in the movies that are like the funniest people mm -hmm. and always super jovial and whatever but it's like no nah, i met that guy he was a total asshole mm -hmm. right like the, and and then they, later after that that person never sees them in the same light it doesn't matter what movie they're there like fuck that guy he's an asshole i don't care uh... if he's like i ain't even gonna see that movie that guy's an asshole i don't care that you like know... that happens that happens all the time. Happened to me, dude. Man, don't ever meet your heroes. You know. Don't ever meet your heroes, dude. It's scary I, sometimes. I met Kevin Smith, and he was an asshole. I was like, really? Like, really? Silent Bob? Really? Come on, man. Really? Broke my fucking heart, man. Anyway. Well, and the thing about that is, like, <laughs> the thing though is maybe he was having a bad day. Yes, maybe. He and was. maybe you go, you know, like maybe you had been following him, and maybe you see him again somewhere, and he's different. Like he's exactly. a nice person, and you're like, well, that was more like what I expected, man. Like, I, and, and that does happen sometimes I, too. Yeah, I know. I know more about it now. I get around the the kind of people I get around. I mean, you know, like the circles we move in, and like, yeah, most famous people i've met like from the movie world are actually shorter than i thought they'd be i think they use a lot of camera angles to make people taller i, I get quite shocked at how short people are except yeah, for but you're a big dude sam you're tall dude you're not a small guy you want to know the, sh the most shock i got from from meeting a famous person was sebastian bach the rock star is fucking huge he's huge he really huge he's like six foot eight he's freaking huge i had no idea how how tall the guy was but it's Fuck it's yeah I, that's I, awesome i tend to remember people taller than me <laughs> no but to go back to the congruence thing man i really think about that because it's important for us and i think what people need to understand the listener is when you go to buy uh anything whether it's go to a restaurant or pick a hotel or a campsite or a dealership you're going to go to mm -hmm. what do you do you go online you look at their social media yep. you look at their reviews on mm -hmm. google 
you start seeing if anybody's ever done business with them. Mm-hmm. You start Google searching everything, right? We go into full-blown detective mode. You read all the one stars and start laughing at them. Listen, and that's the thing. Let's We start looking at the yeah. reviews. And what do we look for? Congruence. Hey, mm-hmm. sucky service, terrible service, wait forever, wait mm-hmm. forever. Cool, not going there. When mm-hmm. was that? Three months ago? Nah, not going yeah. there. Hey, well, fantastic service. Took yeah. care of us. Always right on time. Did Does everything they say they're mm-hmm. going to do. Did extra for us. Did this, did... We're like, yeah, fucking there. let's go. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Dude, how many business owners drop that fucking ball and they don't even, they don't take care of their Google reviews. They don't take care of their online. It drives me up the fucking wall. Like, because if I'm going to spend a large amount of money with you, I want to know who you are. I want to know you are who you say you are. And I want to know you're going to do the things you tell me you can do. Like, facts. <laughs> I just see, dude, I, I should just do another webinar on it. I see so many people just fucking drop that ball. Um, yes, like sir. even back in 2013, when I had my car dealership, we had a review process, a follow-up process, leave us a Google review if we've done a great job. And, uh, we were the highest rated independent car dealer in Texas because I went out of my way to get those reviews and to look after the clients. And it just bought me more business. That's it. It's, it's not as difficult as people make it, man. Like that's the thing when you think about being the small business surgeon, people are always like, Oh man, he's going to have to cut me out and do all these mm. things. And it's like, nah, man, I'm just going to come in and move this little guy over here. Yep. And, yep. uh, it's, everything it's, starts flowing again, man. Just like it popping is, it back man. into a socket. Like, it's like, God, I could speak on this forever, but once you understand the fundamentals and, and the fact that all businesses run in a similar manner, ra- wrapped around whatever expertise it is that they're selling, they all run in a similar manner. Like, you can pull back and see which bits are broken and just pop, pop, pop. Like, I, man, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know, man. I just, I love what I do. Um, anyway, moving on, dude. Everybody knows you. Like you're probably one of my most recognized guests at this point, especially because of the, well, my target audience. You know, I got a lot of Apex guys listening, so everybody knows you. But what they don't know is what you've got in store for the future. So for the last ten minutes or so of the interview, dude, I want to touch what's coming up for Drewby and what's on your vision board. And what's in your goals? Ooh, so uh, you said something earlier that had got me kind of excited. I'm gonna put this out there. I don't know when this interview will come out, but I'm in the midst of actually working on something right now. So I took and did a webinar uh, for our phone sites group the other day, Mm -hmm. and I took that webinar and I'm having it turned into a book. So that webinar was on organic social media, right? How I've leveraged organic Mm -hmm. social media to do 10 million plus dollars in sales in the last couple of years and how people can use it, small business owners, entrepreneurs to get tons and tons of impressions in front of the ideal client that so this is now recording and we'll drop this into the podcast for the authenticity of the thing um so for, the, for those people paying attention we have actually changed t-shirts but the uh, the hard drive filled up on uh, on drewby's last interview my drive filled up with about 10 minutes to go and uh, so we're finishing this interview off a few days later and drewby is now back with a, a best-selling book dude well done yes, sir, sir. <laughs> thank you thank you and man, the question we ended the last uh, the last interview on was talk to us about what's coming up in the future and how excited you are for the book launch. So this just it, it all worked out uh, it all worked out well. So tell us, Drewby, what's going on and uh, how was the book launch, sir? Man, so yes, we were recording and that silly hard drive, you know, go figure <laughs> technology when you need it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it did work out perfectly because the thing I was most excited about to share with you then was I was in the process of launching my new book. It's called Social Media Mastery, a simple formula for busy business owners and entrepreneurs to generate millions of impressions online for free. Because I know with social media, a lot of people are using it, but they're not using it with some real intention or any tactical strategy behind it. And so what I did is I took everything I've learned in the five years of really focusing and honing in on this, the things that have allowed me to do thousands of transactions online, millions and millions of dollars, right? We don't have to get into it, but I took all of that. I boiled it down and I put it into this 145 page tactical guide to using social media with intention mm-hmm. and using it to get yourself out there in front of the right people so that you can not only make money, right? Cause we all want to make money, right? We're in business to be profitable. Like right, nobody right. wants to lose money, but how you can truly make an impact because Sam, I think you recognize at this point that as a small business surgeon, 
what you do is not just impacting people's business. It's impacting their family. It's impacting generations of people who do business with them. And so that's, what's really exciting for me, man, is I've got this book. I launched it um, from idea to bestseller in 18 days, total time. That sounds like a, uh, that sounds like an e-course, Ruby. That sounds like, that sounds like a course, buddy. It does because it's probably gonna be like honestly, man. So what I, it it, it wouldn't make sense to do something without a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. We we talk about intention. So what I did right. is I wrote the book, I put it out there, I shared exactly what I do. I think there's a million dollars worth of value in just that book, and you can buy it online on Amazon for four dollars and ninety nine cents. Oh wow! That's I've cheap. used everything in there to make more than ten million dollars in sales. You can get the whole thing for four ninety nine, like four dollars and ninety nine. Why wouldn't right? you buy that? Why wouldn't you buy that? But at the back of the book, just being transparent, right? There is an opportunity where someone can sign up to learn more from me. I've taken all of my best coaching and speaking courses. I've boiled them down. I've put them in a nice little package. And what I'm going to do as a really special bonus is I'm going to teach everyone who decides to go through that process with me to, you know, get all the the training and read my book. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show them exactly how I went from idea to bestseller in 18 days with less than a thousand dollars out of pocket. Now, have I spent tens of thousands of dollars on coaching and development and all of these things over the years? A hundred percent. But literally I took an idea and I went bestseller with it within 18 days for less than a thousand dollars out of pocket. That's creative formatting the whole process, brother. And I want to share that with people because I believe there are a lot of folks who have said someday I'm going to write a book. I've got all these crazy stories in my life and all these things like I should write a book. Yeah, well, I just, now you can. I found I'm that I, make it I need three you. books, dude. I, I need to write three books. I had so much crazy shit to talk about. <laughs> you, know, you know, and then wait well, till I, wait till I do a, a best of the guests, and we do a we do a book going back over the interviews of the, the guests from all the years. But that is a great idea. That's. Do I know anybody else that has a podcast that could benefit from that? See, I'm not going to steal that idea from you. That's a really good idea. I'm going to let you keep that one. But. <laughs> Hey, somebody's going to hear this and they might take action on it. We're going to, I mean, we'll Dude, see. I hope so because it, uh, them writing a book isn't going to impact me writing a book. It's going to make two great books. So why not? That's right. Make more That's action. That's right. Make more fire. Dude, I I just love that you've just decided to do that and knocked out a best-selling book in 18 days. It's just uh, it, it's testament to, to who you are over, over who you were. I think, though, some days you maybe don't give enough credit to the, the little fat lost kid that ate too much and drank too much and, and made it through to, to where you are. What would you tell him right now? What would he think about you right now, being a best-selling author twice? What would you tell that kid? You know, man, I, I think about this a lot, and I, I really know the answer to that is trust the process. Mm-hmm. right? Like I made a post about that recently, but I know if I met that kid... I would just say, hey, man, trust the process, because at the end of the day, first of all, when you're 18, 19 years old, you know, fucking everything in the world and can't nobody tell you nothing. And you just got it all figured out. So, like, I already know what kind of asshole kid I was and what I would be. (laughs) But I also know that, like, for me, everything is a process, right? Nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens without effort. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back over my life and I think about all the things that I went through and all the hard times and all the struggles, I know that was just part of the process. I couldn't be where I am today, being who I am, living in the life that I am, if I hadn't been the person I was and gone through that process. And so I just got to remind myself. And even to this day, when I think about it, it's like, Hey man, trust the process. Yeah. yeah, shit's hard right now. Things feel goofy, like numbers are down. This is going on. This guy quit. This vendor fucked up. Like whatever. Trust the process. Yeah, everything happens for you, not to you. Right? I think Ed Milet says that. Somebody, somebody important says somebody that, right? smarter everything than us said it. For yeah. you, not to you. Right? But like, yeah, that's the truth. Because if you didn't go through all of those struggles, you can't be forged in fire if you never walk through the flames. Oh, it's so true. That's how you get steel. It's got to go through a crucible, dude. It's got to get melted. It's got to feel a little bit of heat, a little bit of pain. It's got to get beat the shit out of it because that's how it becomes hard. That's how it gets to where it's going, man. Indestructible, baby. <laughs> dude, I just think that a lot of guys get lost in that fight. And to have you as somebody as an example to look up to and say, hey, this guy, he, he didn't quit. He kept going. I think a lot of us get lost in that particular fight. So thank you for, for being another wonderful example of what happens when you do the work. All right, what are we going to talk about now? 
You know, man, I think what we should really remind people is the importance of being focused and doing the work. Yes. Right. Because I think that is something that you and I probably do, like you said, maybe take for granted. Sometimes we forget about who we were and what we were going through in those moments because, you know, man, it's hindsight's 2020. Well, it it's was, easy to look yeah. back and have perfect vision of what happened and why it went the way it did. But in the moment, you don't know. It was one of my buddies that, that I, I, I posted something about the, you know, fat drunk Sam. And there was a picture of me slopped down in a chair with my eyes half closed and shit. And one of my buddies posted that that guy, hey, don't knock him too bad. He had the fortitude to stop what he was doing and become who you are. And that always resonated with me is that, you know, you look back with those those glasses on. You go, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. or I can't believe I did that. But then again... The you you are then had to have something in them for you to become who you are now. So here's a, a little rewire, and this just kind of came to me out of the blue. So we're just going to call this a God moment, right? This is a message from God. But like those things that you did in your childhood, hey, man, we're going to do a case race and we're going to see who can finish this, this 30 rack first. That sounds stupid. And like right now as an adult, you're like sit and drink 30 beers and try to finish fastest. Like that's stupid. But as a kid, you thought that was a great idea. You're it like, was a great oh, idea. We go. did it. We did it let's all the time. I'm, I'm a beach ass too. Yes. Yeah. Right. Hey, let's tape 40s to our hands and play Edward 40 hands and see who can drink two 40s. Like, you know, like what? Think of all the stupid things we did. We were setting ourselves up to set, accept challenges and to do hard things because it's not easy to sit and drink 30 beers. Like it's not. <laughs> I just it's keep hard. I keep laughing because I'm so glad that social media wasn't around with all the shit we did, dude. Bro, it was, and I'm lucky that some of the shit didn't show up. But that's what I mean. So like yeah. if you think about it, all those things that you did as a young man, the challenges, like, oh, I'm gonna do X amount of drugs, or I'm gonna go and do this, or I'm gonna go and meet this many people, or whatever, right? We set these challenges for ourselves and we would achieve them. Yeah. And so we were winners in our own way. And we would fight so hard to be winners that we would literally put ourselves in detrimental situations because it was like, there's no way I'm going to let this asshole drink 30 beers faster than me. You, it's almost as though you're a king of the losers. You still want it to be king. You still want to be the you top still dog. want to be king, baby. I want to be the guy that can drink the most beer and take the most drugs. And I'm the champion of drugs and the champion of alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how they think, man. Winners are going to win whether they're winning in the wrong way or not. That's one way to look at it. I mean, you know, I, I laugh because it's, it's funny. I used to tell the bar manager that exact same thing. I'd be sitting at the bar at 2 in the morning, drunk off my ass, waiting on an Uber to get home. And I would say, I'm winning, Jimmy. Winners win. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I came out here to get fucked up, and I won tonight. You see? That... Hey, but now when you think about it, you're like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do, you know, this five mile run. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to dive in and I'm going to create three great marketing campaigns for my business. And we're going to launch these over the next 90 days. Right. The things that you're focused on winning in now are so different. It's way more they're fun. They're still the same thing. It's still the same shit, man. It's still a challenge. It's still mm -hmm. something where you got somebody in your circle that's like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And so somebody's going to hear this and be like, damn, Drewby who was almost, you know, did graduate high school, failed sophomore English three times because he was a lazy ass. That dude just wrote a book in 18 days. Mm -hmm. I can do it in faster. I bet I can do it in a week. Yeah. I bet I can get a book in 10 days, right? Damn. Somebody's hearing that and somebody's doing that right now. And I, I hope so. love it. I hope because so. Because yeah. I've already set a challenge for myself. I'm like, hey, how much faster can I do this? Oh, Like I did in 18 days. How much can I do it in a week? Can I do it in a day? You got to be careful though. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to know any, I'm going to drop any names, but I, I know some guys that wrote books pretty quick. And uh, sometimes it turns out to be a nice, very, very quick bag full of dog shit. So you got to be careful on that speed. Hey, well, you're not wrong. But that's the thing, though, right? There's a difference between speed and quality. Mm -hmm. And that's where you start finding like, hey, man, just because you can do it in 18 days, should you? But again, this is where setting those challenges for yourselves, fucking around and finding out. Yeah. That's yeah, what it is. That's what we're yeah. doing here, man. We're just trying to find out. Like, I don't know. Let's see if it works. I don't. The thing that really cracks me up, man, is like I talk to all kinds of people, small business owners, big business owners, investors, people that have made millions and millions of dollars, people that make just enough to live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And all of them are always, always, always saying the same shit. Like, man, if I could just figure it out, I'd be set. <laughs> Whether they're rich or poor, they're all telling me, hey, man, if I can just figure it out, yep. guess what? We're all trying to figure it out, bro. We all got different problems. We're all just trying to figure out how to fix our problems. And once you start focusing on being 
the problem solver, the small business surgeon, the person mm-hmm. who helps others fix their shit, guess what? You don't ever run out of things to do. Yeah. You always got work. You always got opportunity. And typically someone's coming behind you and being like, Hey man, you're running and gunning. Like, how can I fix some of the shit you got going on? Cause like mm-hmm. opportunity flows, right? Like it hey, just goes great. in a big circle. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's how it works, man. Yeah. We got to, you, you give it back and you, you get it even more. Um, you know, and we all keep thinking when I figure it out, when I figure it out, when I figure it out. But what I've learned is, is the bigger the room, the bigger the problem. Like cash flow, cash flow flows. It doesn't matter if it's flowing at 10 grand a month or 10 million a month. Cash flow flows. That's why it's called cash flow. Like if you you don't get it right with 10 grand a month, you're not going to get it right with a hundred grand a month. Like it's, it's focusing on those fundamentals and those principles and focusing on the, the little shit that you got to get right. And then you can scale, man. You know, there's there's no figuring it out. It's controlling the cash flow while you just do what you do and fix problems. I mean, we're giving them the game, Sam. The sad thing is only like one or two people are going to hear it and take action on it. And the rest are going to be like, man, these guys are full of shit. That ain't how it works. Keep your secrets then. It's not a a secret, man. Show up and do the work and see what happens. Buddy, man, I I always enjoy hanging out with you. I know we've got just a few more minutes of this interview left before we go wrap up again. But man, it's always such a pleasure to hang out with you, man. If uh, no, I don't I don't want to ask you that question. Shit, now I've messed up the interview. Help me, Drewby, save me. Where am I going to end this? Because I I really wanted to ask what you what you'd say to some entrepreneurs that were behind us. But that that question's kind of used up, and we've already said a lot to some entrepreneurs that were behind us. You know what, man, at the end of the day, the most important thing is not just for the people behind us, for, for the people who are behind us to think about the people who are behind them. Amen. Because the majority of people are struggling with imposter syndrome because they're looking at guys like us and they're like, man, I don't know as much as those guys. So what gives me the right to step up and be on a podcast or what gives me the right to go out and write a book? Well, here's mm. the thing, guys. Uh, you've done some shit in your lives. You had some yeah. experiences that I will never have and have never experienced. So how would I be able to go and tell that story? I can't. I need you to go and tell that story so that I can learn from you because inevitably, all of us have things that need to be learned in our lives, lessons that we can take in. So if you're feeling that way and you're feeling like, man, these guys are just like, I don't know, there's so much, like they're crushing it, they're doing all these things. Just understand that there's someone behind you that if they could just get to where you are right now, mm-hmm. their entire life would be a hundred times better. So just remember, it's not about us giving to the guys behind us. It's about the guys behind us giving to the guys behind them. Dude, because I, that's what's truly going to put them in our seat in the future. I lose sight of that. Yeah. Thank you. That That's a really good one. Um, I, I do lose sight of that. But my business changed when I started, you know, building bigger tables and not worrying about building fences. I just built a big table and said, hey, Anybody can take anything from my table. The only fee is you must leave something if you take something. And it's just mm-hmm. it's just on a world of good for, for my network and for every business I come across, man. I love it. That's the game. And, it, you know, some people will think oh, that's too easy, and some people will realize, like, that's it. It is that easy. You just focus it's, on others. Dude, it's so easy. And, like, I feel like I've been playing. You ever hear the joke about Patty and the Chainsaw? Yeah, I think so. It's been a I, long time, but I, yeah. I think I've been playing the, the, the game without realizing that the chainsaw has an engine. You can actually turn it on and it goes a lot faster. And it really is that simple. Focus on the shit you want, get rid of the shit you don't want, and just keep going. That's it, baby. That's it. <laughs> Drewby, my man, where can the audience follow you on social media, find out about your shit, and more importantly, buy a copy of your brand new book? So if you want to find me, go to drewbywilson.com. It's got all of my social media links. I've got a blog. I've got my podcast on there. Um, if you want to look for my books, I have two, Crushing the Day and Social Media Mastery. If you just search Drewby Wilson on Amazon, both of them will come up right there at the top because I am the only Drewby Wilson and I am the meme lord. So if you need memes, <laughs> love if it. you need some laughs, if yes. you need someone in your life to just show you, hey, man, it can be done if you just do the work. Uh, I'm going to keep living my life to the best of my ability to show up every day and set that example. Because like you said, man, the more I make a big table and just leave stuff for others to get when they need, the more people leave things for me to use when I need it. And the world keeps getting better, baby. Dude, isn't it great? It's amazing how that works. 
Drewby, I'm so grateful to you for coming on the show, hanging out with us twice now. Um, thank you so much, and congratulations on the new book and on bestseller. Well done, sir. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Guys, that was Drewby Wilson. Do me a favor. He is, uh, he is absolute meme lord. Go check out his stuff. Buy his course about making memes. Buy his new book. Show him some love. And uh, if you've enjoyed the show, you can caption us at Small Business Surgeon. Share it out among your friends because uh, sharing the show helps it to grow. All right, that's going to do it from me for this week. You'll be good. And uh, come back on Friday. Check out this week's Friday Fire. You'll be good. And take care. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week.